Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Liam. We'll throw it straight over to you, Rich. We've got a jam-packed rookie preview show with a very special guest. But first, how are you doing, Rich? I'm good. I'm good. We're this is this is rookie preview five. This is the last one we're recording. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been a slightly crazy ten days to try and squeeze all these in before I disappear on holiday. But uh, yeah, it's it's been really fun. Um, and very much looking forward to uh, to talking through uh, some some tight ends. Well, as you've already teased, it is the tight end preview. But we've got a very special guest on to talk all of these tight ends. Ali from the Dynasty um, or the Fantasy Wildcard podcast at FF Dynasty Grill on Twitter. Ali, how are you doing, buddy? It's been a long time. We haven't been on a podcast my, myself and you. How are you doing, bud? <clears throat> no, we haven't. No, I'm really good, thanks. Um, woke up to the the news this morning that my coach Bruce Arians had retired <laughs> and thought, oh no, what's happened? What's just happened here? But it's all good. It's all good. Um, Definitely believe in Todd Bowles. And yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. Um, excited to to be on with you guys. Um, I watched this, your show with the Spaceman yesterday. <clears throat> really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, hopefully we have a, another cracking show tonight. I'm sure we will, mate. So 
As you probably know at this point, every guest we have on, we have a little bit of an interview so the listeners can figure out and learn a bit about you. But Ali, how long have you been playing fantasy football, mate? Feels like forever now, but <clears throat> officially, I think it's about eight, <clears throat> eight to nine years. Um, it was, I remember it was Josh Gordon's big year was my first season playing, which I think was... 2013 or 2014 um it was shady mccoy adrian peterson they were they were dominating the running backs um and (laughs) i had a quick look back today actually and it was fantasy was very different back then i was looking at the the stats and quarterback three in 2013 do you want to have any guesses at who the quarterback three was that year uh i'm gonna say was that the andy dalton year Am I going back too far? Was that the Andy no, Dalton? Absolutely spot on, Rich. It was the oh, Andy yes. Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed with that. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very. I'm very proud. That is. That is a pull, um, and a pure luck. Let's say that. That's quality. Though Andy Dalton was a bit under. He was quite decent back then. He had, um, he had a yeah, good offense, didn't he? He I did have a very good offense. Hey, I, yeah. I could have been a I could have been the top twelve fantasy tight end if I was thrown. So what was it? Mar- Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, AJ Green, yeah, Giovanni Bernard. That was when he was like a top mm-hmm. five dynasty running back at that point, I think. Um, so yeah, it's it, it was a pretty high powered offense that he was, should we say, st- steering the ship for. Yeah, it weren't bad. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um... Ali, as the listeners know, because you're on the podcast, uh, you produce content. How much or how long have you been playing or producing content and how did you get into it? Because I know a lot of people have different uh, ways of falling into the content world. Yeah, so frustratingly at the minute, I'm not producing as much content as I would like. I love being a part of the fantasy wildcard and we've got some plenty of plans for the future, but just commitments haven't led me to produce any recently, but absolutely. I love producing content and writing articles um, for getting to the swing of it. I can, I can produce four or five a week and, and really enjoy it. So I've been doing it for a couple of years um, and just got in, into it a few years ago where I was in leagues with my mates and they'd always come across and ask me for advice. I tend I won the cup, the first couple and then I was getting private messages of, can you help me set my lineup and stuff like this? Um, <laughs> which <laughs> I don't know why I helped him out when he was against me, but um, yeah, I tend to have had a knack for it. I then thought, why not? Let's just start a Twitter page. So I, I started a Twitter page called We Are Dynasty Football um, and just start. It was basically a redraft page, even though I called it We Are Dynasty Football. But <laughs> I got <laughs> I got a few, a few messages. It, it's all about us helping people set lineups, you know, trade advice. Um, stuff like that, uh, drafting, and just I thought about giving it up to start off with, but I got a couple of messages through from people just thanking me for my help and just winning them a championship, and it just that to me was just everything. It just gave me that that fire that I wanted to carry on and just do a lot more. So it was really rewarding. Um, I then uh, just kicked on a bit more, and then it was it was podcasted. It was your influence, really, Rich, where you gave me my first. <laughs> My first podcast debut, um, I was absolutely terrible that day. I had, I think I sounded terrible and, but it got me hooked. And then basically shortly after that, Kev approached me for the the wildcard gig. There was a spot opening up there. 
Um, and it's just been the best fun. Uh, so I can't thank you or, or those two enough, really. So it's just made me want to carry on and just produce even more into the future. Well, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for that. But it, it's funny how these things go full circle, isn't it? Because as I said, I think on a podcast a few weeks ago, Kevin and Rich were the reason that I started producing content because I kind of <laughs> thought, well, if these two Brits can do it, why, why can't I? Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's amazing to hear that uh, that you coming on the pod almost this time a year ago, wasn't it? I think we obviously had Ali on to to preview the, the tight ends last year and... Um, I feel a little bit sorry for him because I'm not sure this year's tight end class is quite up to uh, to what we had last year. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll leave that to uh, to dive into in a few minutes. Well, well, there you go, Rich. You've got both of us on here that you started our podcast careers off. So you feel like the the daddy of the podcast world out of us two right now. You, you don't need to keep making me feel old, Liam. Is this uh, this is your new album, isn't it? Every yeah. week to try and make yeah. me feel old. So uh, yeah, no, course, I, I, I'm I'm very pleased, and uh, it's amazing to watch. You know what what Ali's doing with the wildcard guys. It's um, you know one of my favourite listens every week, and uh, it's I find it funny that you're saying that he was nervous and it wasn't very good because I remember listening back to it probably two months ago before we started planning out these rookie previews, and uh, I thought it was a fantastic pod. So uh, I think you're probably being a little bit hard on yourself, Ali. Well, to be honest, I absolutely loved your Dynasty Island pod. It was a it was a must must listen for me each time you produce an episode, and um, yeah, again, I just thought you were brilliant and just inspired me to to want to want to talk about something that I'm passionate about. So spot on, and I, I appreciate it. But the man that is, we've we've got very lovey dovey all of a sudden, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we need right, to disagree want... with the tight ends. Let's, let's dive in some tight ends. Let's go. Well, there you go. As you've teased it, let's dive in. Um, but I don't think there's going to be many agreement uh, disagreements on this first title we're going to be talking about, and that's Trey McBride coming out of Colorado State. Uh, DLF rank and ADP have him at one. I can see both of you guys have him at one in your uh, rookie tight end um, rankings this year. Ali, what can you tell us about Trey McBride, mate? Because by the looks of it, he is the the number one out of this class, and by far, far outwired one. Yeah, I was about to say I don't think you're going to get many people disagree that that Trey McBride is the tight end one this year. A bit like Pitts was the tight end one last year, although he's not on the level of Pitts, but he is head and shoulders above the rest. Generally, looking into it even more, diving in more, it's generally quite a poor class, I think. There is lots of depth, but there's just no elite talent like there was last season. There's not a lot of tremendous upside guys for me anyway. Um, but most certainly, Trey McBride is the most NFL-ready tight end of the bunch. Uh, although it wasn't the case early on, he was a three-star recruit in 2018, ranked 67th in his class. So um, it's a bit of a rise. A, a slow start, but that sophomore season has really increased his stock. He's kicked on from there. He's, his blocking is is really that good that I think that it will allow him to see the field right away and ultimately lead, could lead to pass catch opportunities from game one. And when I look at a tight end, I think that's one of the most important traits is, is he going to be a start of year one? Um, is he going to see opportunities right away? Well, he he could do. Um, so, yeah, if I'm, if I'm drafting a tight end in rookie drafts, which I tend to try and avoid unless I'm getting one of them top ones, I either want him to be able to start day one or I want someone that I can stash away that's that's got tremendous upside. Um, and then if you just look at his ability, his ability to run after the catch, 
Uh, he always seems to make an extra few yards. He, he fights for absolutely everything. He's just ran a 4.54 at his pro day recently, although that's not always the most accurate measurement. But he has got rare athleticism for a guy that size. Um, and just just watch out when he gets a screen pass. He, he gets ahead of steam and he's really hard to bring down. And as far as upside goes with, with McBride, I think he can be someone like a TJ Hawkinson. A Dallas Goddard, I think, at his top, top level, I think he's in that sort of tier tier. Tier three below um, the likes of Kittle and, and Waller. Um, but looking at the, just the NFL mocks, I have to imagine that McBride is a, a second round pick. Um, and if, if he is drafted in the second round, I think they're going to want to utilize him. Uh, so just looking at rookie drafts, I think the sweet spot for me is probably the, the middle of the second round. I'm probably happy to, to pick him in the, the middle of the second round. I don't always want to drive draft a tight end that early but I think McBride does offer enough upside where I can take him there and, and I can be happy about my pick Rich what, what else have you got to that I know that you're not a massive mock, uh, mock draft guy in terms of the NFL mock drafts but if he goes to the second round do you see him being basically untouchable at that tight end one spot I think he's he's definitely the tight end one I think you know it's quite funny because we were you know, a year ago we had Ali on and we were talking about Cole Pitts was the clear tight end one, but whether it was between Pat Fryer moving Brevin Jordan for that tight end two. And obviously Brevin Jordan fell to, what was it, the sixth round, was it? And uh, he quickly tumbled down rookie yeah. draft. You know, as it turns out, he had a pretty decent rookie season and um, is, is certainly back up. But for me, I think Trey McBride is, he's the epitome of just a good, boring tight end in the, he does, I mean that in the nicest way, but he does everything well. He is good, you know, as you said, he is a, a a competent route runner. He's got decent hands. He is pretty quick. You know, you talked about that 4 five forty. He's, you know, a, a competent blocker. He can line up all over the field, whether that's be, you know, split out. He, he's the kind of guy that could potentially be used in that XISO on, on the solo side of, of the, the, the offense. He could also be used in line. He can be that kind of F or that Y tight end that, that gets moved around. I don't have any concerns about him transitioning to the next level, but I don't know if he's ever going to be incredible. I think for me, I look at him and I see, and I'm I'm not comping them as players, but I think probably career trajectory from a fantasy perspective, someone like a Hunter Henry, where they're just a solid you know, you plug them in, they're probably going to finish in that tight end eight to tight end 15 range. They're, they're going to have a couple of decent weeks when they catch some touchdowns. They're never really going to kind of destroy your fancy team, but they're probably not going to win you many weeks. Um, and I think to me, it says more about this tight end class overall. Um, the fact that Trey McBride is, is the clear cut number one, rather than it does about Trey McBride. Yeah. So just for me, I think yeah, his ceiling is, is Dallas Goddard. It's TJ Hawkinson. Although Hawkinson had a down year, I still think he's a decent tight end. But the main thing is tight end for me is the most scheme-dependent position in the NFL. I look at a couple of examples. Noah Fant, I really like Noah Fant, but he's just, I think he's a tight end waiting to break out. But just in that scheme, he's just not utilised in the right way. And then someone that I've got a lot of in Dynasty and it's just crushed me is Johnny Smith, just someone that I think is a brilliant tight end, has got all the talent in the world, 
and just it's just not utilized. So I think landing spot for tight ends is as well as the draft capital is just so important. I think, as you said, tight ends, you know, everyone knows my views on tight ends at this point. And if you don't, then you've probably not been listening long. Um, it, especially in fantasy, it's very tough to draft a tight end that is going to be the next Pitts or um, Kittle, Kelsey, anyone along those lines. So I tend to stay away from them in rookie drafts, unless it's maybe a fourth round dart throw or a fifth round dart throw. Um, but I think when you're looking at tight ends, you're probably seeing a lot less um, of those athletic tight ends that will come in and do completely everything that you want from a fantasy relevant tight end. And you're probably looking at guys that will come in and be at best in their career. Someone like a CJ Uzama in terms of a career trajectory and fantasy production where they might have some good weeks, but in in total, they're not going to change your dynasty team. And sorry to get you on the podcast where I'm about to cite the position, Ali, but um, I wouldn't waste rookie picks on any tight end, really, unless it's uh, Kyle Pitts from last year. And even then, probably wasn't spending the high first that it really took to get any of him. Um but let's stop the downer on the position, Ali, and bring you in on the second guy that we're going to be talking about, and that's Jalen Widemeyer um, out of Texas A&M. At the moment, you're agreeing with um, DLF, ADP, and rankings and got him as your tight end two on the class. But Rich, you've got a bit of a, a disagreement here. So we'll go over to Ali, and then I want you to jump straight in, and I want to just sit back and listen to you two and see what, uh, what the disagreement is and which one's going to come out on top. So, Ali, take it away, mate. Yeah, sorry, I'm not going to um, make this pod much more of a happier place at the minute because <laughs> um, <laughs> having dived into to Widemeyer and the events of the last few weeks, he's actually probably moved down to the tight end three. Um, and his draft stock just been just been on the fall. It's been on the slides uh, earlier in the season and especially before the season, he was right there with McBride, maybe the tight end one enter in 2021, but he just, just didn't take that step forward for me in this season. Um, and he could have easily dropped as rich as him, tight end three, tight end four, possibly even lower to some. Just apart from having a, a, a big frame, a massive frame, he just doesn't do anything exceptional for me. He's, He's a really good blocker. He's almost better blocker than he is a receiver at this point. He's he's got that nice big frame. He's, he extends well, so he, he has got a good catch radius. But he just really lacks athleticism. That five point zero three forty time just backs up his his real lack of speed. Um, he, he certainly won't be making plays down the field, but he clearly can be a big red zone threat. Um, but for me, I think he pro- projects best as an inline tight end in the NFL. He he uses that massive 81-inch wingspan just to, to wrap up defenders. He's pretty good in the run game as well as the pass game, but just looking at his tape, he's really noticeable is, is them key concentration drops, which just left me really disappointed. Uh, I had really high hopes for Widemeyer coming into the season, his size, but his, his draft stock's just fallen too much now where I'm just expecting him to go round four in the NFL draft, possibly even later. Um and so, in that case, for me, he's going to be he's going to be pretty much an avoid unless he does get taken higher, say round three. Um, 
But I mean, in rookie drafts, um, the where he's going to be going, if he is going to be drafted at all, that's that's prime running back spots where you just take dart throws at running backs. A bit like an Elijah Mitchell from last season. So where Widemeyer is likely going to be taken is going to be not where I'm looking at tight end. And someone that doesn't really have upside is not an athletic freak. Um, so unfortunately, he is poss- probably my tight end free right now. And I can't say too much positive about him. Shall I, shall I be even more negative than Ali now? Um, I mean, I think for me, look, three, three four months ago, Widemeyer for me was, was neck and neck with McBride. I think he was actually my tight end one. In, in February in terms of ranks. Um, I think from a film perspective, I see everything you could want to see on tape. I think he he's a decent route runner. I think he's very good at stretching that seam. Um, he he's very he, he's fantastic with the ball in his hands. You know, he he breaks tackles regularly, which is what you want to see. I think he's a competent blocker. Um, I think he's, you know, basically what you'd want. And then he went to his pro day and he ran a 5.03.40, which I know I'm the guy that preaches that combine measurables don't matter, but unfortunately for tight ends, they absolutely do. Um, in in recent years, the last drafted tight end, I believe, that had a slower than five second 40 was Nick Boyle of the Ravens, who is quite potentially the the best blocking tight end in the league. And is a very different role and is never going to be relevant for fantasy. And I mean, I just can't believe that a guy that showed what he did on tape couldn't run a, a four eight or something like that. And to me, that shows that either he is not the athlete that we thought he was, or it shows that there is a complete lack of preparation for pro days and you know the off-season schedule. And to me, that I th- I, th- I would I wouldn't be shocked. I said this to Ali before the, uh, the we started recording. I wouldn't be shocked if he was undrafted. Um, I really think that five second forty is an absolute killer for him. And for me, I can't touch him in fantasy. You know, if if he if he goes on and and is the exception that breaks the rule, fair enough. But for me, it sounds ridiculous. But that one little thing. I, I just can't get bored with it, you know. It's it, it's not even just that one thing. He had a twenty-five inch foot. Like I feel like I, I I've not I've not played football in like what are we now like five years. I feel like I could roll out of bed and get a twenty-five inch foot. Like that's 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 embarrassing for a guy that's hoping to get drafted in the NFL. Like that's that's poor. Um, so yeah, so for me, I'm I'm fully out. Um, I, I I just can't see myself, you know, even if we're like we're talking fifth round of a rookie draft tight end premium. And unless he's going to get day two draft capital, which I'd be gobsmacked if he did. Um, I just can't see myself over drafting him. I've got two things, Rich. One, you bring in some spice as people, people will probably take this as a hot take to the um, show where we've got the FF dynasty grill on the show. So <laughs> kudos to you for that. But Love two, that. If there is anyone, any listeners out there that can remember a time where Richard said, I can do better than an NFL player, I want you to go away, (laughs) pull pull a mixtape or something, pull all the recordings, because eventually, Rich, you're going to have this, you you know, those diagrams of a player where it's like Tom Brady's 
mind and Aaron Rodgers' arm. We're just going to have all these clips around a player for you. And you're going to be a better blocking tight end than Nick Boyle. You're going to be a better thrower than Rodgers. <laughs> We can we can go we can go back and watch the tape. I've got tape of me running a four, four seven forty and a, a six six eight three cone and a thirty inch vert. So there's there's, there's tape somewhere. I mean, it, we're talking like fifteen years ago. Um, so, but yeah, there, there is tape out there somewhere of uh, of me hitting all those thresholds. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just pulling your leg, but yeah, um, saying that the. DLF ADP uh, tight end two on the class is going to go, or you you wouldn't be surprised if you went undrafted. I'm sure a lot of people would take that as a hot take. Um, but let's move on to the next player because it's I, I don't know whether we're going to get another hot take like that. Um, so this is Greg Dorsich. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm Dolchich, I believe. But Dolchich. Okay. I'm never I'm never the, the go-to when it comes to pronunciation, so happy to be wrong on that well, one. We'll we'll go with Greg from now on. Um he's going as the DLF tight end three. Um again, according to these rankings, you two are gonna have a little bit of a disagreement here. Ali, where have you got him in your rankings right now and why have you got him there? So he's my tight end five at the minute, which it's it's not great for him, being so I was so low on wider wider and he's tight end three. Um, but he is rising. I have to say that he was certainly one of the the big winners from the senior bowl. Uh, he's he turned to tight end. He wasn't originally a tight end. He was a wide receiver. Didn't work out for him, and he he bulked up, and it certainly worked out for him at UCLA. Uh, and he's my wild card. I have to say, I love a wild card. And in terms of my top five, I think he is my wild card just because of the newness at the position. Um, and then I do like a tight end that can block that might see the field right away. He's, he's really not a good blocker. Um, so I think he's he's going to be the most reliant on a good landing spot in a vertical offense. If he does land in a place like that, then it could be wheels up for him. But um, but he's certainly a wild card. He, he ran a 4.7 40 time, a bit like you, Rich. So he's he's definitely <laughs> quick. He could, he could definitely motor. Um and he certainly showed it like last season. I watched a clip of him. He had a big play where he 75 yard touchdown against LSU. So he can rip off that big play, which is which is quite exciting at the tight end position. You, you don't want a tight end that can run 10 yards and just falls down. He, he can certainly explode and take it to the house. And he's a good route runner as well, as you'd expect from a, an X wide receiver. You've just got to get the ball in his hands and he can make defenders miss. He's shown it multiple times on his tape. He's got multiple 100-yard games in in his career, so he's definitely got that going for him. And if he's if he's schemed open, he can definitely rack up the yardage. Uh, just unfortunately, he does remind me of a couple of tight ends, and I've been burnt in the past. Uh, Chris Herndon and more recently Kenny Yaboa. They're they're athletic tight ends that just haven't worked out, despite me being really excited about their just their ability. Um, and it's just it, ultimately it's these these misses that has just led to I've had a big change in strategy the tight end position. Um, but I will say, if I am going to take a late swing on the tight end, which is unlikely, then Dolchich might be my guy just because I can see a bit of upside in Dolchich. Um, just because of if he is landing in a scheme where he can be schemed open, get the ball in his hands, take the top off defense. He can be lined up in multiple places. Then, 
he's probably a bit more exciting than he than Weidemeyer or some of the other tight ends in this class that aren't very athletic. He he's a complete opposite. He is athletic. Um, so he certainly does tick a load of boxes, but at the minute, my Titan five, just because I think of his rawness and his, and his newness at the position. Rich, have you got anything to add to that? I think that was very well, uh, well said in, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. I, I mean, I quite like Dolchich to be honest. I think the, to me, I think the thing that separates him is I think he's able to create separation via his route running. I think that he shows good body control during that route run. And I think that that enables him to create separation. And I think that that's going to translate to the next level. I think that the fact that he, he was a walk-on at UCLA and, and played on pretty much every special team is, is freshman and sophomore year. He, he's that to me boosts his draft stock because there's going to be a special teams coach somewhere that's, you know, when it gets to the third, fourth round, is going to say this guy can come in and contribute on special teams immediately. And he can be our tight end too, as such. And and, and I think, look, you know, we, we've said before, there's very few rookie tight ends that are going to come in and produce. I, I, it's the reason I avoid the position when it comes to rookie drafts. But I really like him as a potential flyer because I do think that that brute running translates. He's a decent athlete. You know, he he's not an incredible athlete, but I do think that he's got the potential to produce at the next level. It's, it's the reason why he's he's my tight end three in the class. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not in love with him, but I think that he's he's solid. You know, he's he's a bit like a, a lesser man's Trey McBride in that he's he's solid. I think he's blocking. Again, I'm never going to claim to be a blocking expert, but from what I've read and certainly what I watch, it's it's not incredible. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think as a tight end two, depending on landing spot, he he's more likely to be used as a you know, a movable piece tight end rather than that traditional in line that's that's going to take on, you know, the, the the running plays as such. So, guys, we're flying through these and I think that just says everything we need to know about the position, really. Um, the fourth tight end we're going to talk about is Isaiah Likely um, coming out of Coastal Carolina. Again, We've got him as DLF ADP four rank four, but both of you this time um, are higher than DLF rank and ADP. So throwing it over to you, Ali, um, I don't know whether this is the guy that jumped up to your number two spot, um, but take it away, mate. That certainly would be likely. He has, yeah, he yeah. jumped up to my tight end two spot. And a bit similar to Dolchich, but I think he's just a bit more polished to be honest is is a different type of tight end to, to Widemeyer and McBride to some extent his biggest tool is his speed he's a he's a burner for a tight end I think he's a guy that can produce after the catch and is generally quite exciting to watch as far as tight ends go anyway he and he's continued his growth this year so I'm probably going to move him up to tight end too he's I like the fact that he's improved his stats each season producing 912 receiving yards and and 12 touchdowns in 2021. So he's been incredibly productive. That was the rate of a touchdown reception every 4.9 receptions, which was quite funny. Um, and again, I like to look for a Titan prospect that could be a sound blocker to maximise his player time early on. And he has improved that aspect over the last season. So I now think he's fairly capable of doing it. He's certainly got better hands than Widermeyer. He's shown very little drops. 
is is also really good with the 50-50 balls in in tight contested windows, which which I like. He's also a genuine deep threat and can be lined up all over the place. So again, if he was to land in a scheme that can get him open, can get him opportunities, then then it could be wheels up. His combine was okay. It was it was a bit a bit mixed. He he led the tight end group in the vertical jump, but then his shuttle was actually the slowest of the group, which was a bit unexpected for me. Uh, so again, he's a bit of a wild card, and just looking to rookie drafts, I think where I would perhaps target him is if I had multiple late picks, if I had say a couple of fourth rounders or fifth rounders, then I'll happily pick him with one of them and stash him away. Especially if if it was a tight end premium league, which I do play quite a bit of tight end premium leagues, I think he he can be a decent stash for, for probably a couple of years time. So again, he's a wild card. He's got athletic traits so it's certainly something that ticks ticks a couple of boxes for me at tight end and again just going back to it if it, it's all scheme and scheme dependent where he lands in the nfl um so if he, if he does land in a decent scheme then then he could be a useful asset i think that's very key for all of these tight ends and the tight end position in general is it, it's always scheme dependent and you can have a great tight end that goes to a, a a rubbish scheme and won't actually produce the way that you want them to. Um, Rich, Isaiah, likely, I know you've also got him as your tight end too on the class. So anything that you wanted to add on top of what Ali's already said? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll i be honest, I absolutely love this guy. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> that that may be my biases when it comes to watching tight ends in that I like a, a, a field stretcher and I like someone that's going to threaten down that seam. And and that's exactly what he is. It's interesting you saying about the combine there, Ali, because it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's, the combine numbers aren't something that I dive into huge amounts. Um, but it was really interesting because I think it marries up with kind of what I saw on tape in that I think he's fantastic in a straight line. But I think that any time he needs to change direction, I, I kind of have questions about him. Um, I think look, this is a guy that broke out at 18. He, you know, leads these five tight ends we're going to talk about in terms of yards per team pass attempts in college. I think he is, for me, the only lottery ticket that I would potentially take at this tight end position in that I think that someone like McBride, whilst he's probably going to go on to have a really successful, solid NFL career, I think the price he's going to go in rookie drafts is just going to be too expensive for me. And I think I don't really like any of the other ones and likely he's the only guy for me that I kind of feel like I might take a punt on. And with where, you know, consensus seems to have him in terms of ranks and ADP, if I'm just taking a flyer on him in, in those tight end premium leagues, yes, it, you know, it, it's probably going to come to nothing. And I think that, if we were looking at his kind of range of outcomes, probably over 50% of the time, he's, you know, you, you mentioned a few names there in, in terms of Kenny Hebo and Chris Hendon. Maybe he's the next guy that's just going to, you know, come out, do nothing and spend a year, two years on your taxi squad until you need to cut him. But I would, at the tight end position, take the punt that he's a, a very good athlete in terms of that straight line speed. And I'm hopeful that, given his production at a young age and that age-adjusted production, I think if he gets in the right offensive scheme, I think he he will succeed. I also think he needs to put some weight on. I think I wouldn't be shocked if he we saw him add, you know, 20, 30 pounds. 
um, once he gets the NFL level. And if he can add that weight and maintain his current athleticism, then I'd I'd be super excited because I think it, he could potentially turn into something. Um, that's you know, as I said, it's it's a flyer, um, and of all these guys, he's he's the flyer that I'm I'm kind of willing to take a punt on. I think looking at his player profiler, uh, he had a 91st percentile college dominator rating. I mean, I don't pay attention too much to that for tight ends, but even even 91st percentiles, I mean, that's brilliant for a tight end. Um, I think the issue you have is you basically, especially at the tight end position, you just have to pick one guy that you want to take a flyer on, and that is who you take it on. But what I know from both personal experience and seeing people in my dynasty leagues is a lot of people don't wait for tight ends to break out. And that's where wasted rookie picks come in. Um, I I mean, we've spoken about it a bunch, Rich, in previous um, episodes, uh, more likely last year at this point, where we we speak about the, the tight end third year breakout. Um, I know that Dawson Knox was the, the the tight end that broke out last year, and he was also in his third year, I believe. But a lot of people don't wait that long, especially for a fourth round pick, to have them on their roster for three years, unless it's an extremely deep, and I mean extremely deep roster, um, because most tax, taxi squads only hold players for their rookie season and then you have to make a decision on whether you cut them or keep them on your main roster. Go on, Rich. I, 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 would, I know you want I to jump say, in there. I would say one thing about Isaiah Lokely. If if you want to have some fun, go and go and find on YouTube his his game against Arkansas State. If you want to watch a tight end completely take over a game, um, I've never seen anything like it. It was absolutely obscene. I think he, I think he, I think it was over 200 yards receiving and four touchdowns. It was absolutely mind blowing. Um, and, and basically, they couldn't cover him. It was, it was a fascinating game to watch. And uh, yeah, I think if everybody goes watches that, then <laughs> he might be flying up a few boards because it's, uh, it's a very impressive <laughs> piece of game film, that's for sure. So let's go to the the last flyer um, at this position. Jeremy Rutkert, um, Ali, he's coming out of Ohio State. I always, always, no idea why, <laughs> get Ohio messed up. Um, at the moment, DLF um, ADP has him as the tight end six on the class. It's ranked at tight end five, but really when you get to this point, they all kind of uh, mix together as rookie tight ends. Um, do you like Jeremy Rutkert as a as a late round flyer or are you basically not touching him wherever um, when you get into your rookie drafts for your dynasty leagues? Well, I've got to try and make him seem at least a little bit exciting, but it is difficult. (laughs) He's my tight end four. Um, He's just a really good, solid pass blocker. He's maybe the best in the class. He's he's really strong. Um, 19 reps on, on the bench press. It backs that up. He's, his production's just really not eye popping to say the least. I think, but he did suffer from that program. I ha- I ha- <laughs> it's catching <laughs> Ohio State, just not utilizing the tight end position. So his his stats really underwhelming if you look at those 309 receiving yards in just 11 games last season. But he has been a really key part of that hugely successful offense. 
his pass and run blocking are certainly refined. Uh, and I think it does stand him in good stead when he heads into the NFL, just because coming from that really good college program, he's undoubtedly ready to start sooner rather than later. Also, watching his tape, I can't really recall seeing him drop a pass. He's been reliable when he's been called upon, although not often enough. But just looking at his game by stats, his, his most productive game this last year was five receptions, 47 yards, two touchdowns. So to me, I do fear a little bit that screams Hunter Henry from this past season. So is, is he going to be touchdown dependent in the NFL? Uh, possibly his positives are is he is a polished prospect. He's probably ready to start right away. It's, but the negatives are are the main ones. Just what exactly is his ceiling going to be in the NFL? Uh, and then just looking at my strategy changing somewhat at tight end, uh, I'm more focused on on getting one of the elite prospects or sorry, not the elite guys in NFL drafts like an Andrews, like a Pitts, like a Kelsey. So someone like a rocket just I can't, I can't quite see the upside wherever you've I've even stashed him away I'd rather as Rich mentioned I'd rather take Isaiah Likely or, or a Greg Dolchich who, who's got some upside who can get vertical but someone like rocket he's just for me he's going to be a much better NFL player than he is fantasy producer on your team so again for that reason I'm probably probably going to be out it's probably going to be great for the team that picks him but um I don't see the draft capital and I don't see I don't see me being interested in him one bit really. Yeah, pretty much pretty much agree. I think for me he's my tight end five, and that's basically because I felt like I had to rank five tight ends. Um <laughs> I, I I don't think he's gonna be fantasy relevant. I think he is gonna be the kind of guy that is fantastic if your NFL team picks him, and I think he's gonna be a very good NFL pro. Um, but I just don't see him ever being fancy relevant. I think he's his ceiling is good blocker, seven to ten touchdowns a year, and probably like thirty catches. Like I think he's going to be a very good red zone weapon. He is a big, strong guy. He is able, you know, you said he's got great hands and he's able to operate in that red zone fantastically. But I, I just, it's hard to get excited. Yes, he, you know, he was inarguably one of the best offences in terms of receiver weapons when you think of Wilson, Alave, you know, Smith and Gibber, whose name I can never pronounce, and Jig and Jig and Jigba, something like that. Yeah. We'll call, we'll call him Jackson. Um <laughs> like those those three guys are three elite prospects that are all going to be probably first round picks when it comes to the NFL draft. So you can give him a little bit, but this is a guy that's basically never produced in college in terms of massively receiving wise he's you know to use official metrics he's he's never broken out he's never had a college dominating greater than 10 percent um you know every other receiver uh, tight end we're talking about is kind of 20 percent plus so yeah I, I i don't want him um and i'm i'm not excited about drafting him um i think look for me if you it this this whole draft class and and I hate that this has become a, an incredibly negative podcast about all of the guys. I, I really like Likely, um, but I think if you're tight end needy and you're hoping to try and find one in this draft class, I think you're probably mistaken. I think you need to go out. You know, I would much rather take a punt on you know someone like a, a Cole Komet or or even you know David and Joku, Brevin Jordan from last year, like those sort of guys. I'd easily rather all of those over 
pretty much anyone in this class outside of maybe McBride and Likely. Yeah, I'm completely, I'm completely with you. And I dropped my uh, my rookie rankings a couple of weeks ago in order, and I didn't even drop my tight end rankings because <laughs> I just found that they were they were going to be so boring. It was going to be Trey McBride tier one, and then two to five was going to be just tier two and. I just didn't think it was even worthy of a tweet because they're in the same tier for me. Um, there's a couple of more exciting ones, but then there's a lot that are just going to be decent NFL players. The, the teams are going to be happy that they're on the team, but in terms of fantasy assets, just um, unless you're playing premium and there is a bit of upside, which there isn't a couple of these, then again, I just think you're best to avoid the avoid picking them. So maybe at some point, Ali, maybe next year we need to make it up to you and pick a better podcast for you to come on than tight ends as, uh, <laughs> as a makeup because we've asked you to come on and basically talk about guys that none of us are particularly excited about. So, uh, so yeah, maybe not. But I thought before we kind of finish the show, though, Liam, um, I just thought I'd quickly steal Ali's um, kind of favourite rookie. It doesn't necessarily have to be your highest ranked rookies, but it can be any position. It can be a couple of guys if you want, but who's who's a guy that you particularly love in this in this rookie class at the moment? Oh, let me pull up my rankings then. So, so you're letting Ali speak about someone he likes now. Is <laughs> <laughs> that why you've done this? I thought, I thought he's, he's talked about five guys that he's not particularly excited about. So let's <laughs> let's give him give him the platform to talk about someone that he likes to look off. Who's your Kenny Gainwell from last year? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying to go a bit deeper. It, my guy is, is Drake London this year. Um, I'm a bit worried he's going to run a bit slowly. But apart from apart from Drake London, it's not really much of a hot take. Uh, my two guys, Rashad White and Tyler Algier, have always they're just whenever I, I put on a bit of film, they're just they're just making plays. And I get Tyler Algier, um, we've got a running joke in the, in the wild card that we call him, or he's likened to a melon. <laughs> not not quite sure why, but um, I don't think Kev is a big fan of him, but um, I just I just love his style. And, and Rashad White, I think he could go higher in the draft than we're anticipating. I think he does everything rather well. He's, he just doesn't pop off in any any particular area, but what he does do, he, he does do well. Um, so I think if he lands in the right in the right spot, I think there could be a decent role for him. So he's my running back four, um, and Tyler Algier is my running back five. Um, but yeah, p- apart from those two, I've been a massive fan of Drake London for a while. I think he's going to get really good, really good draft capital, um, and he's going to be a key part of of somebody's offense going forward. So I'll probably be drafting quite a bit of Drake London. Is, is Drake London your t- uh, receiver one? No, he's not my receiver one. I know I've just picked him up and made him sound like my receiver one. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's my wide receiver three. Um, okay. And I've got Berks, Berks and Wilson, 1A, 1B. I just I can't seem to split him right now. Is it, Will London still be top three when, when the Jets, Jets draft in number 10 overall? Um, yeah, he will be. If he, <laughs> I, I'm probably a bigger fan of Zach Wilson than than a lot of people. I I do think I, I really like what the Jets are doing. I'm glad they didn't overpay Tyreek Hill. Um, I think they're set up to draft a wide receiver at, at number ten. I think they're going to have their pick, um, and it, I think they should go for Garrett Wilson. But if they do go Drake London, then 
I'll be I'll be happy just for his draft capital. That'll be that'll be enough for me. Awesome. Well, if if you listen to the wide receiver podcast, you'll hear my my thoughts on on uh, the Jets wide receiver plan. And basically, I'm really hoping they don't draft one at ten overall, and I'd rather see them take someone in the early second round. But uh, yeah, generally, what I want the Jets to do, they do the opposite. So you can pretty much pencil in that they're taking a, a wide receiver in the top ten. Is it is it because you believe that Elijah Moore can be the wide receiver one, or no? I th- I think I think we need an X I think you know we've we've got a nice little you know we talk about the basketball room you know you've got you've got your point guard and Elijah Moore I think you've got your typical kind of small forward Z in in Corey Davis I think we need a bigger bodied X and I think that Drake London is an absolutely perfect fit if we had a pick in you know 15 to 20 I'd be delighted if the Jets traded back from 10 to that 15 to 20 range and could still get Drake London I'd be you know running around the garden naked, I'd be so happy. But <laughs> I, I I just don't like taking a receiver in the top 10 unless it's what I consider an elite, elite prospect. And I just don't think Drake London or or indeed, you know, I'm, I'm super high on Garrett Wilson, but I don't think Garrett Wilson is, you know, Jamal Chase, quite frankly. Um, so I'd rather take a risk and take two or three guys in the second or third round, you know, we've, we've got the draft capital to go and do it. So I'd rather go and see, you know, George Pickens and, and properly take a flyer because I think George Pickens ceiling is, you know, Drake London, potentially even higher. And you're not having to spend that top 10 pick to go and get him. We, so, we became a Jets podcast there for, for 10 minutes. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> Who'd have thought any less? Um, so Ali, have you got a favourite quarterback for the listeners or are you not high on any of them, quite frankly? <laughs> Is this rookie quarterbacks? Um, rookie I just think, yeah. yeah, I think it's, you, it's not an opportunity for you to talk about Trey Lance, no. <laughs> um, um, I think you mentioned it on the last pod with, with Spaceman. It's it's one, one lottery ticket at the quarterback in Malik Willis. Um, the rest of them are certainly a tier or two down from from him it again it all depends on draft capital for me how how much i i, I like you know like to look at them in in the rookie drafts um i've got matt corral as my quarterback too but again there's there's a massive tier tier gap between him and malik willis um i'm probably also higher on kenny pickett than a lot of people um but Especially again it's it it it's all going to depend on draft capital because again I don't like to look at mocks too much but there's been a few mocks with Malik Willis falling out of round one there's been some him going at spot number two to the Detroit Lions so no one knows be, it's going to be wild I'm very I have to say I'm looking forward to this draft more than most not just because the Jets got two ten picks but <laughs> I think it's crazy like I don't remember a draft quite like this where. I think we're probably talking 20, was it 2011, the the Christian Ponder draft and I want to say Lockett and, and Jake Locker, sorry, and all that, where, you know, no no one liked any of the quarterbacks outside of Cam Newton and yet like six went in the, well, no, I think four or five went in the top 15. And, and that's the kind of class that I could see this year. I wouldn't be shocked if three or four quarterbacks went in the top 15 picks. Equally, I wouldn't be shocked if we had no quarterbacks in the first round. Like it's such a wild draft and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. And 
quickly, how about you, Liam, with the with the Green Bay Packers and the the wide receiver position? I, <laughs> what's the plan going to be at the back end of of round one? They're surely going to have to jump up and grab one of their guys. I I've been speaking in one of my dynasty leagues all off season, saying what I think the Packers are going to do, and <laughs> it's been wrong at every junction. So. Uh, <laughs> Like Rich, if I say something on this podcast, the opposite will happen. Um, I I struggle with the Packers draft at the moment because I, I see a lot of Drake London, which I, I wouldn't mind. Olave at uh, pick 26. Again, I wouldn't mind, but I can see us actually leaving all the first round wide receivers and picking all second round wide receiver again. Um, just because I... I think when the whole populace of the NFL fan base tends to think the Packers are going to do something with a wide receiver, it doesn't actually happen. Um, but we, I, I definitely think we'll be going multiple wide receivers uh, in the draft and we probably won't sign a wide receiver until after the draft at this point. Um, ju- just because we don't know who we're going to get and where, where we're going to get them. But um, I can see something very similar to was it the 2018 draft where we took Jamon Moore in the fourth round, MVS in the sixth, and EQ some Brown in the sixth as well, where we we double or triple up at the position with some later round picks and potentially have a second or a third round wide receiver. Um, it'd be a lot easier. Off. It would have been a lot easier if Mario Rogers was good though, wouldn't it? So. <laughs> Oh, right. come on. Rich. <laughs> that's that, offensive. That's after one season. <laughs> after one season, mate. <laughs> that's very hard. But um, from, from the Packers wide receiver room, um, the contract situation is awful. We, we have, um, I think it's two wide receivers past this Alan. year. I think one of them is Randall Cobb um, and the other one's Amara Rogers. So it, it's not looking great, put it that way. Um, but Ali, before I let Rich slander Amara Rogers anymore, I'm gonna have to end the show. Um, Ali, I know you've got a, a great shout out, so I'll throw it over to you for the guest plug. Take yes, away, so obviously, part of the, the fantasy world card, we've got our second ever streamer fun coming up on the 21st of May, it is rapidly approaching. Um, so it's 16 hours live stream from 10 a.m i think it is to 2 a.m i think at night so it's it's a long day but it's absolutely brilliant we talk to some fantastic fantastic guests um we cover every single nfl team which is which is brilliant um and we're doing it all for for mind charity which is um they deal with mental health and they've been absolutely brilliant um and there's so many people that I know that have been struggling with with mental health over the the pandemic. So they do some fantastic work. So um, you can you can go on there and donate now. Um, and yeah, just 21st of May, we we can't wait to get the streamathon kicked off. Um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really fantastic day. It is gonna be a great event. I know both me and Richard booked on, so um, yeah, it'll be a great time there, Rich. Yeah, no, very much looking forward to it. I had, had a great time last year. 
Um, looking forward to finding out uh, which which teams we're going to be discussing. Um, but yeah, it, it should be a great event. And, and as Ali said, if, if you haven't, you, you can go and donate and uh, and support the guys because they're doing fantastic work. But that's everything for this week, guys. Um, sorry, it's a bit of a shorter show. Uh, unfortunately, we just didn't like any of the side tens. <laughs> um, you can find Ali over at F at FF Dynasty Grill or at the five, uh, the Fantasy Wildcard podcast. And until next week, where we've got the uh, final third of the podcast um, from the, when the listeners are listening, um, Matt is coming on the show. We'll see you all then and have a great Easter because when you're listening, it will be Easter on the following weekend. So see you later, guys, and have a great week. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 